What is up, everybody? Welcome to Into the Fryer, Ramblings from the Kitchen podcast. My name is Matt Hewitt. I am your host. Today's guest, Allison Fasano, is an up-and-coming young chef out of New York, and at 28, she's already making a great name for herself on the New York culinary scene. I have no doubt that you're going to be hearing big things about this young lady in the next few years and and for a long, long time to come. I had a great time chatting with her on a Sunday afternoon, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Enjoy Allison Fasano. Peace. And we are live now with Allison Fasano. Harley's American Grill, New York girl through and through. Allison, I want to thank you, first of all, for coming on um, and agreeing to uh, spend some time with me on this Sunday afternoon. I know uh, your time is valuable, and, and I'll try to make the best of it. So welcome. Oh, thank you. This is the best like afternoon date I've had in a while. <laughs> <laughs> we have two, two pastitarians and, and uh, two, two, two kitchen uh, veterans, uh, that's for sure. Yes, exactly. You got it. I'm awesome. here for you. Awesome. I'm ready. So um, I don't know if you listen to any of the episodes, but I, I kind of keep it free form. And uh, I read a little bit about uh, you on the bio from ChefWorks and the interview that you did with them the online. But um, why don't you tell me kind of more how you got started? I, I, I know there's a funny little story about Rachel Ray and all that, but how did you, how did you get interested in cooking? Well, growing up, I actually always wanted to be a comedian. Now I just cook and tell jokes for free. You know, I was always like the class clan. I was always in trouble. And one day I was flipping to the channel when I landed across the Food Network. And I've never really watched the Food Network before. And there was this show on called 30 Minute Meals with Rachel Ray. And she just has this great ability to let her walls down and allow people in. And she just always, you know, has a smile on her face. I remember going, this is what I want to do. I want to be Rachel Ray. So since that day forward, I kind of just focused my life on food and cooking and, and, you know, the Food Network, like I would have my mom VHS, like not DVR, VHS, I'm talking about those old school tapes, like shows on (laughs) Food Network for me. And I would watch them when I got home, like was that like extreme. So that's basically like Rachel Ray was the reason why I started cooking and I met her like three times. True statement. I do have her cell phone number. So it's kind of, you know, we're friends. So, and yeah. I don't want to drop any names or anything, but we'll we'll get in we'll get into name dropping a little bit later on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So so you were just what part of New York did you grow up in? Oh, I actually was born and raised in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um. So I lived there my whole life. I moved out to Long Island about three years ago. But you know, I'm a Brooklyn girl through and through. You know, like. I don't have an accent, so I like to think. No, no, I don't think anyone listening will think that you have Not a New York accent whatsoever. No. In fact, they, they probably think no. I'm the one with the accent. Probably, you know, I like people are like, where are you from? I'm like, uh, I, sometimes I lie. I don't make up a state like I'm like, I'm from Texas. <laughs> Nobody believes. That. I just I just as part of my comedy act, I just use this. I just kind of use this weird voice inflection that that people associate that I'm from New York, but really I'm from Georgia. Yeah. Something like that. Not me. Not me. me. I'm from Long Beach, California. I am, I am, uh, I am a beach kid through and through and now, now making my home in, in, uh, in the greater Salt Lake area of Utah. 
Yeah, so yeah, that's a big trip from you. It's probably cold there. Oh, now. we've got we've got quite a bit of snow. In fact, I was uh, it, something that you never did growing up in California was look at the forecast because, I mean, it's all it was you know where I grew up in Long Beach. I think I had one of my old bosses um, told me that she picked opening up her restaurant in Long Beach because it averaged like three hundred and and forty two days of sunlight a year. So it was it was pretty standard. Pretty standard oh. that we were going to have a you know, 60 to 70 degrees and, and, and probably mostly sunshine, but yeah, uh, in the, in the next 10 days, we're supposed to have seven, I believe days of snow coming up. So right now the sun, Oh, that sounds it, well, I, I don't know how it is for you, but, but here, because it snows at all the, you know, like you can, ex- you know, that it's going to snow in the winter time. Um, and in pl- other places that I've lived where it's snowed on a regular basis, you you adapt and and they keep the roads relatively clean and and life seems to to pretty much keep going. Yeah, New York is kind of like the same. You know, they're like you still have to show up to work. There's ten feet of snow. You're coming in. There's trains. I mean, that's about the New York City life. Yeah, there you know? there's uh there's not much that's gonna stop stop New York. I don't think, if anything. No, I don't think there's much either. Like sometimes I think once we had a train shut down and then people like, oh, we're work still open. Like you're coming in. I'm I'm like, sure, we're coming. <laughs> yeah, we had, we had uh, just earlier this week, we had, I mean, normally like my, my commute from, from home to office is about 15 minutes and it took me about an hour and uh, the roads were pretty bad. And, and we were, we, the, there's, there's a few of us that work, um, I'm in sales now. I've I've moved out of out of the kitchen, and um, there's there's like four of us that four or five of us that do sales, and we were we were joking with with our boss about the there's like a, a meme of of a guy like digging out his car that's buried, and and the boss is calling saying like you're still coming to work, right? And it was one, yeah, yeah. It took one of the other guys like an hour and forty minutes. It was like holy shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess there's no stopping no. in the snow, but sometimes if there's a snowstorm here in New York, it's like brace, like people are bracing themselves. Like grocery stores are empty. I mean, you think like what's coming? It's like two yeah. feet of snow. Yeah, I've got I've got more than yeah. two feet of, of of accumulation in my backyard right now as I look outside. Well, nobody likes a brander. <laughs> hey, listen here. I know we just met, but. Nobody likes anybody that's bragged. We already started by name dropping and bragging. I mean, this. Oh, is we're a going great for show. it. We're going for it. So yeah. you, um, so I, I, I recall reading, and and you kind of touched on you got you got started, uh, in, interested about the age of eleven. Is that right? That's okay. very accurate. So I'm fifteen now. So I haven't. Oh man, you're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> I mean, how did you so? Now, did you go traditional or did you, did you, when you kind of started working, um, did, did you just start working in restaurants and then, and then get your chops that way? Or how did, how did you, how did you get your skill or how did you start to get your base? Well, actually I couldn't wait to start working. So I had my first job when I was 14 years old. I uh, started working at a bakery where I grew Mm -hmm. up in Williamsburg and of course, you know, it's hard to get your first job because you have zero experience. And I remember the owner of the bakery goes to me, he was like, why do you want to work here? And then my exact words, I remember it was, I love the smell of bread. 
And then the guy was like, okay, so you want to start tomorrow? And I was like, sure, I'll see you tomorrow. So I said, I love the smell of bread. So that's why I got hired. And I'll never forget that. But I wasn't, I really do love the smell of bread. And all my friends and family will tell you, like, if we go to a restaurant, they put bread on the table. The first thing I do is smell the bread. And it's like a thing. It's like my body automatically does it. I just love the smell of bread. There's just something so therapeutic about it, I guess. Bread well, I would say, and, and then there's, there's kind of the two different, two different smells because, so I also came up in, I came up in Italian kitchens. And at one of my restaurants, we, we made bread every single day. And th- there's the smell of like the dough and the yeast and then the rising bread. And then when you bake it, it changes. Is that kind of something that you experience as well? Yeah, I don't know what it was. Like even to this day, like I'll go out to a restaurant with one of my friends and they're like, are you smelling the bread? Or did you smell the bread? Yeah, it's like a big joke. I'm like, <laughs> I just, I can't help myself. Like there's other strange, like I don't really do strange things, but if smelling bread's the strangest thing I do, I'll take it. I mean, yeah, I, I, when you're talking from chef to chef, um, I, I wouldn't say that's strange at all. I mean, I there's certain things that I spent. So I started working in kitchens when I was about 18, um, and then full time was probably right close to 20 when, when I started like really investing time in, in working in kitchens. And then, um, I've never liked, like there are certain things that I've never liked. I will tolerate and taste them because I need needed to as a chef and I needed to know what they were, but, but like keep button mushrooms as far away from me as possible. I like all other kinds of mushrooms. I, I really enjoy, you know, um, you know, cremini's and and shiitakes and and porcini's, especially dried porcini's. When you reconstitute them, that that really beefy flavor of the of the liquor yeah. that comes off of it. But keep keep freaking button mushrooms and and canned black olives. Those those they exist. I'd, I'd be quite all right. <laughs> but also, those aren't two bad things to like here. So two really like basic like one note items like black olives. I feel like they're really like useless. <laughs> right there's nothing to there's really nothing to a black no. olive like i can't like like i mean like i got nothing with black olives like i would rather go for like like a mediterranean olive you know like there's so many olive. different varieties you know like yeah there's so many other olives i just always remember like my grandma used to make like a salad and put black olives and I used to be like, why you put black olives? Oh, tell me about it. I, so the last I've, I've, uh, I've had a pretty odd kind of diverse career. And the, and the actual reason that I moved out to Salt Lake was there's a restaurant, uh, here that's, that's been around for uh, about 34 years. It's called red iguana. And it's, it's probably one of the most well-known restaurants in the state of Utah. Uh, the fan, it's family owned and operated family came from Mexico to, they moved to San Francisco, California. And then, and then I want to say in the late sixties, they, they migrated to Salt Lake and the restaurant at, at the restaurant we made, we had eight moles on our menu. Wow. And, and. What? Nine, nine would have been too well, many, they, right? There was like about 14 that we had in rotation that we would run oh, God, eight, on, that's a lot. eight on a daily basis. 
and, and I mean, they were doing that well before I started that I came, I came on to be the, the director of kitchen operations for this, for this three, three restaurant company. But, um, like we would use black olives on, you know, it's like on nachos. It's like, God, it's totally useless. Who, who <laughs> wants that on, who wants that on anything? It's kind of like when people garnish with parsley. If it's not in the dish, you know, it's kind of like yeah. Kind if it's of, not in the dish, you shouldn't, you know? shouldn't be, shouldn't be near it. Yes. Or I hate when people look at a dish and these are like, there are certain key words like people say about food that I know that they know nothing about food. Like they'll see a dish and like, it needs a little color, like slice a little bell pepper on it or put parsley. I'm just like, like, I've never looked at a dish. Like it needs color. It needs parsley. Let me put a red pepper peel on it. Like that no. was, that was pretty you know? prevalent though, back in the, in the, in the mid to late nineties. I mean, and yeah. And the eighties too, or putting parsley on the rim of the plate. Oh yeah. We, uh, we, we, at, at one of at So my first executive chef job, it was it was probably like 1997. I think I was about I think I was 23 years old. Do you want me to tell you how old I was in 1997? In 1997, you were probably seven, seven, seven years old. Yes, and actually 1997. Yes, I'm sure you know this already. I'm a big Celine Dion fan. My favorite Celine Dion album, Let's Talk About Love album, came out in 1997, which you know classic hits such as My Heart Will Go On were on. I was I was gonna wait to get into Celine Dion with you a little bit later on. Yeah, we brought ninety seven. So I was actually just talking about this the other day. Somebody I was like, Oh, that's my favorite album, you know, came out in nineteen ninety seven. People like you could drop the year. I'm like, people, it's so obvious that was the year Titanic came out. I, I was I was having <laughs> another conversation the other day about something that happened in music and I'm not while I'm not a I'm not really a Celine Dion fan, I I I play music. I appreciate music immensely, especially people that can sing. And, and I will give it to her. She is one of the best. One of the best. It's just not my style. And then... That's okay. Okay. We we'll, 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 we'll be friends okay. for sure. We're going to work through this. We're going to work through I this. Gotcha. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> so I was... I was um, I had a bunch of, a lot of my friends were Def Leppard fans growing up and I never was like, like from early on, I, I liked run DMC and rap. And then I got into reggae and a bunch of different stuff. And then beastie boys, as I got older and like rage against the machine. And I, I mean like, and now I listen to like folk music and you know, Avit brothers and all kinds of just all over the board. But there's certain genres that I never really got into. But and and Def Leppard was one of those like all my friends liked it and I was like this sucks this this fucking absolutely sucks. So I was having a conversation the other day about about the drummer, and I got into an argument with a friend about the fact that the drummer lost his arm like in the late '80s or early '90s, and and they were like no, it was like 1984, and I was like you're so full of shit. And then I, and then I, and then they're like, we're going back and forth. And so I'm, I'm like scrolling on my, on my phone. I'm like looking up, I'm like, holy crap. I would have, there's no way in hell I would have ever thought that, that, you know, I don't know what it has to do with Celine Dion in 1997, but. Um, but you, you remember years, like some things, like somebody mentioned the year and you can remember something, you know, just like sometimes like if you make a dish, it kind of like 
makes you think of a memory like I can like see something like oh that reminds me of the time of this or you know like my grandma used to make this like I think food does the same thing you know so does music like sometimes you hear a song like you know for me my heart will go on every time I hear my heart will go on I still think of the same things or like you smell food or you make food and it's kind of like bring back you know like memories so I think that's kind of where music and food does oh I I totally get that I totally get that it's um so I'm going to, I'm going to, as, as we go through sometime, you know, we could jump around and kind of go back and forth on different subjects, but you touched on, uh, we started to talk about how you got your chops and you started at 14 in the, in the, uh, bakery. And then yes, I love the smell and bread. The, because yeah. of the smell of bread, it, it's, isn't it funny how that smell of bread comment just spurned this whole other conversation? Yeah, no, um, true. So, and then after, um, well, after I worked at the bakery, you know, I worked there for a little while, and then don't tell anybody, but I worked at a Dunkin' Donuts. Nothing wrong like, with that. A Dunkin' Donuts. Who doesn't love donuts? Um, when I was in high school, and then I worked at the Three Sword up in Lake George. It's called the Sagamore Resort. So I worked there for six seasons, and then you know it's seasonal, so you leave, you know, after September, sure. October. But I started uh, culinary school. First, I actually went to Johnson Wales University in Providence, Rhode Island. And then I went there for like a year. And then I was like, you know, I just want to do Italian cuisine. So then I decided to, why not go to culinary school in Italy? So I spent a few months in Italy learning regional Italian cuisine. And so that's kind of what my base is. Like people know I do Italian. I love Mediterranean. Like my food wheelhouse is kind of very... You know, I kind of, I wouldn't say make the same food, but I kind of had those, you know, that base of which I yeah. like to do. Um, and then after that, you know, I worked in restaurants like Del Poso. I worked at the, you know, at the Earl of West. Uh, I worked for Bobby Flay as the sous chef at his restaurant Gatto. Um, so, and then I worked at three pizzerias. You know, I just kind of stick to my wheelhouse. Okay. You know, I also do love to make, if you follow me on social media, I do make a lot of pizza and pasta a lot. I actually, when I first came back to um, New York, after coming back from Italy, um, you know, I come from the pizza capital of the world, mm-hmm. Brooklyn, duh. So, you know, I want to work at a pizzeria because I learned how to make pizza in Italy. So I go apply to work at this pizzeria and they told me I couldn't make pizza there. And I was like so upset. I don't think they wanted this eye candy at the front counter. That's my thought. But you know, it's their loss, not mine. So, and, and tell me again, how long did you spend in Italy? I spent a couple of months there, you know, so that was like probably almost 10 years okay. ago, I think. Nine okay. years ago. So I, I, my, culinary experience started when I, I was, I mean, when I really started kind of doing kitchen work, I was actually working for a, as a delivery driver and dishwasher for a, for a, a mom and pop shop in, in Long Beach, California. And uh, I had this, um, this Italian dude from San Remo, Italy, that, that he was, he was like my first mentor in the kitchen. And, and, and it was one of those where like, I needed a job. I had worked at this place before high, before I graduated high school. And then I went away to college for like, like almost a year and it didn't work out. And I came back to Long Beach and I was like, I need a job. So that I called them. They're like, we just have daytime and, and there's never deliveries or anything going on in the day. So it was like, 
wash dishes, peel vegetables. And, the, you know, the guy started like having me peel garlic and do all these things. And then he put a knife in my hand and started teaching me how to do, do, um, you know, cut vegetables and all, any, anything that I could do to find more hours to, to work so I could pay my rent and do those kinds of things. I did. I never said no. And then, uh, one day, um, this guy, his name was Flavio and he didn't speak English. And at the time my, my Spanish was awful. And he, every day, like at five, he would go out into the alley behind the restaurants and smoke. And I was a bit of a stoner. And by, by a bit of a stoner, <laughs> by a bit of a stoner, it means I was like, I was always high for a period of life. And, and, uh, he came out of the bathroom one day and I never smoked cigarettes and he came out of the bathroom and he's like, Hey, you smoky smoky. And I was like, no, I'm good. And then he like opens up his cigarette box and pulls out this gigantic freaking doobie. Like a, I mean, like one of those, wow. one of those European style where he like ripped off the inside part of the cigarette box and like rolled it into a filter and then mixed some tobacco in. And then, and I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. And then, and then I don't know about your history, but, but there's some sort of language barrier that gets lost when, um, two people are, are kind of partaking at the same time. Like it seems to be like a seamless level of communication that starts happening. Yeah. You know, it's like the language that, you know, this intertwines and no matter what language you speak, you, you really, you understand. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so he had, he had asked me at, when we were outside, he's like, Hey, do you know how to make pizzas? And I, and I, and I said, yes, I, I do. Because as um, a delivery driver, one of the jobs that we had to do for the restaurant was make, make our garlic bread. And it was spun pizza brushed with olive oil and like, gar and then, and then dusted with garlic powder and sesame seeds. And it was one of those things where like you just, every delivery driver had, knew had, had to know how to do it. So I was like, yeah, I totally do. He goes, okay, so when we go in, you're going to make five pizzas and as fast as you can. And so I went in and, and I mean, okay. I still to this day, I love throwing pizza. It's one of my, one of, one of the most favorite things I've, I've ever done in the kitchen is throw pizza. So I, I go in and I'm like throwing, throwing the pizzas and he's like, he's like, all right, no more delivery driving. You're, you're going to, you're going to start working with me on the weekends as my pizza guy. And so I, I got started and, uh, and, and so the sense that they forward a star was, um, I, I wouldn't and, and started with a puff yeah. of weed. I mean, like, I'm a, you know, that's when you discover who you truly are. Well, I, 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 that could be true. I don't know if out of a star was born. I mean, I did have some successes. Yeah. I did have some successes, but I, I think that, um, the lifestyle that I lived and how I lived and my arrogancy at certain points kept me from having further success. But I don't, I look back on, on my life and I'm like, man, I've had a pretty good ride, you know, and I've made some good friends and, um, you know, it's, it, and, and some good contacts. And there's some people that I've met along the way that I probably wouldn't have met without doing what I did. And, um, I have, I have no regrets, you know, that's, I, I'll tell you now. I've been. I've. I've. I have no problem telling anyone. I've. I've been sober for, for uh, over eleven years, and so, it's one of wow. those things where like, like my ego got the best of me, and uh, my my pride 
really kind of hurt me in in certain areas. But but man, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it for anything because now now I'm meeting I'm meeting new people all the time and and I'm talking to awesome people like you. Oh, stop. I'm also, I'm proud of you. You know, that's a great accomplishment, you know, and also sometimes I always tell people you have to do things for you. You know, you don't always have to do things for other people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I I probably wasn't, uh, I probably wasn't going to be too long for, I I wasn't into the, into like anything hard. I, I smoked weed and I drank beer, but I just did it to excess and it was, it was not good, but Hey, it is what it is. Um, but but I, I I got that start with the with this guy from San Remo, Italy, and and I'm not sure what part of Italy you were in, but San Remo is like like right on the border of like the Italian Riviera between in the hill region between yeah. France and Italy, and uh, the the cooking style that he taught me from there was really really interesting. A lot of cream based sauces, a lot of a lot of cheeses, um, and then and then I had another guy uh, that. That so that gentleman after we were at a place called Christie's together, he ended up going to uh, open up his own restaurant, and then a, and a guy that that worked for Christie, actually in one of her other restaurants in Santa Monica, uh, California, came in, and he he was a he was a pastry chef, but he was also an awesome awesome like chef de cuisine, and so he taught me like a more refined way of doing things because he was an actual chef, and this other guy was just like freaking i have no other words to say except he was just flavio he was like an enigma of of cooking but we made agnolotti we made you know we had this one dish that that he kind of i don't know if it's to the from the region but but it was like a chicken dish with with a porcini mushroom cream sauce and gorgonzola cheese and um, just i loved italian cooking and i <laughs> um some of my best moments were steakhouse but italian cuisine is always my favorite i actually studied in um calabria which is like the sure. southern part of italy like right before Sicily. so um that you know that's my cooking style i always say it's very like nona style like i love that organic rustic like bold layers of flavor of food like food that gives you a yeah. on the inside and i think people always like even here in America, you know, we get it all the time where people are like, oh, I love Italian cuisine. Chicken Parmesan's my favorite. I'm just like, chicken Parmesan's not, you know, Italian, you know, it's Italian American. But I love to do regional uh, dishes. And, you know, Italian cuisine, a lot of times they always, they highlight the ingredients. So you have, you know, some of the best oh, ingredients yeah. in the world in Italy, whether it's tomatoes or the basil or the flour that they're using or the milk or the water. Like they have some of the best ingredients right in their backyard. So, they just really highlight the ingredient. You know, it's not like 25 ingredients in one dish. It's just like, oh, we're going to make a dish with eggplant and we're going to highlight the eggplant and, you know, we're going to use the best of the ingredients because that's, you know, what we have. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I, so I, uh, in 2000, I, I went to my boss and I was like, I'm going to leave for two months. And I told, I, I, think, I think I told her a year prior and I was like, on this date, in 2000, I'm leaving for two months and do whatever you need to. I'll set the restaurant up for success. Um, if you want to let me go, I haven't taken a vacation in five years and I'm pretty young still and I need to get out of here. So um, I went, I went, I know, I need to say get again. Here. I, you said I have to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty, 
Yeah, statement. I have to, I'm not, not, I was, it wasn't a statement as, or, uh, um, it wasn't anything about the, re I, I just needed to, if I didn't take the chance, then I never was going to take the chance, you know? So it, it, I was getting, you know, 18 years ago, I was, I was, uh, 27 and, or 28 and, uh, and I, or 19 years ago, I was 27. So I was like, I was like, I need to, I need to go explore, especially what, for what I was doing. I, I, I wanted, I needed to broaden my horizons as a, as a chef. Um, so I went to, I went and backpacked through Europe for two months and I spent probably out of the two months, I think I spent a month total in Italy and it just, it, it, I was, I, I felt like I was doing some pretty Nona style cooking at the restaurant. Like, like Christy, her dad was Sonny Bono and uh, she's the older sister of Chaz Bono. And then, and then her oh, husband, he was also from, he was from Brooklyn and his family was from Sicily. And like, we had like our meat sauce at the restaurant was like, like we use short rib, uh, chuck and, and like sweet Italian sausage. And then we would, we would roast that in the oven with just a shitload of butter. And then, and then I would, and then we would make the, the, the marinara sauce base you know, just onion and garlic and a little bit of basil and then, and then, you know, crushed tomatoes. And then we would, after we roasted the, the meat, we would, we would put it in with all the juices and then let that thing cook for like five or six hours. And then at the end, turn up the heat just a little bit. And like, usually it was a, it was a full bottle of, of a heavy red to finish it off. Yeah. I mean, now, whoever's listening, I think you just made them like really hungry. Like we're thinking of like what we're <laughs> Well, we. I'm always, I'm always thinking of my next meal. Sometimes I'll go out to dinner. I was like, oh, where I want to go eat next, or I have this thing where I think about food. Like sometimes I'll be like, I really want like fried chicken, and then I'm not satisfied to I actually have fried chicken. So if I say I want fried chicken today, like I give myself 48 hours. I'm like, it's like a challenge. Like I need fried yeah. chicken. Like you know, I just. You know, I don't like when people play with my stomach. Like, you ever have those friends like, oh, we're going to go out here tonight for dinner and you have your mindset. You're so excited. Oh, we changed our mind. We're going here. It's like, you can't do oh, this yeah. to me. Like, we can't go from tacos to, you know, General Tao's chicken. Like, it's no. No, I, I don't my, play that my game. Mind is, my mind like, is set on. My mind is set. My stomach knows what we're eating. We had a meeting. We're like, listen, we're having this night. I'm so excited. And then, like, we no, I can't do a change of plans on food. I can't. I hear that. I hear that. Right? No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, so yeah, but, but that, that trip, that trip, like it totally blew my mind and like changed. Like I came back from, I came back and I remember, you know, she gave me my job back and like welcomed me with open arms. And then, and it was, I was like, okay, we're, we're, we're not, we're not hitting it. We're, we're like, I'm, I'm like, we're going to change what we're doing like right now. And I started showing her some of the dishes and like preparing. And she's like, we can't fucking serve this. And I was like, what do you mean we can't serve this? This is, this is like a, as Italian as it gets. It was like, so like I, I went to, uh, I was, I spent time in Rome and, and Florence. Um, and, uh, you can make a great cacio e pepe. I'm sure. I'm sure. 
Rome, you know, I think if you learn like what comes from each region, I think that's most exciting. Like when I think of Rome, first thing that comes to my mind is Cacio e Pepe. When I think of Florence, I think of the steak mm-hmm. of Florentina. You know, like there's some dishes that you could just name, you know, like if you're thinking of Tuscany, you know, Ribolita or, you know, something like that. So when you know, like the regional dishes, plus like, you know, exactly how it's made, even if you want to put your own twist on it, it's like, that's a town. Yeah. Well, like, like uh, in Siena, I, rem- I, I distinctly remember it was, it was like a wild boar ragu with, with Pappardelle and, and, you know, it, yep. or, or being on the, so being on the on the coast i spent time in the in cinque terra and and the amalfi coast and and i remember going to this one little restaurant like tucked in one of the coves and and um i had i had a spaghetti it was just it was like spaghetti aliolio with cose with mussels and it was all there was was olive oil garlic some crushed red pepper the mussels and like a touch of salt and like a maybe a a bit of lemon zest or or a squeeze of lemon and and some chopped parsley actually was a component in the dish but but yeah. i i so i made that for my boss he was like are you fucking kidding me with this and i, and I was like no no i i mean like i i like i was i was I, it was like she stabbed me in the chest when she told me that we couldn't serve it. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is like as Italian as it gets. And she's like, our people will not, will yeah. not dig that. And I was, I was like hung my head and, you know, it, I was just ashamed at that point of, of, uh, not myself, but I was like, I can't, I, I, we're not, we're not Italian enough. We're not Italian enough. And it was, it was one of those things, but but I, I love, I freaking love making pasta and cooking pasta. And, you know, we did, we did uh, Osobuco every Saturday, Osobuco Milanese with the saffron and pancetta risotto and like tried to, tried to really stick to tradition as much as possible. But. Yeah. But I think if you try that dish today, you know, wherever that restaurant is, I think that will work. You know, I think now you can find great food everywhere as opposed to you know years ago people went to culinary school and they went to new york city and california because that's where the best restaurants are but i think you could find you know really good restaurants in your backyard you know if you look at the last couple of years where the james beard award went or you know where michelin stars are going you know they're not always in california or new york city anymore they're like Oklahoma, they're in Nebraska, Salt Lake City, like they're in these Midwest states that never had, you know, James Beard award winning chefs, you know, owning restaurants, you know, so I think times have changed. And, you know, there are still those great restaurants in New York and California, but I think, you know, right in your backyard, I think you could kind of serve anything because I think people, especially with Instagram, there's a lot of food influencers and there's a lot of people who you know, want that great, amazing experience that you could give, but, you know, may not live in New York City in California. And there are so many talented chefs everywhere, you know, so I think now that dish would work. I, I, I imagine that it would. And, and the level of sophistication of diners, of information that they're able to, to take in kind of helps that. And the other thing I think that helps that too, and what, and this is something that I've noticed coming from California to Salt Lake is that, so one of the reasons I moved 
because it was going to be easier. Um, I have two small children. My son just turned six and my daughter's going to be three in about two weeks. And um, my wife. Wait, when is she turn three? Is she going to be three in the same week? When's your birthday? birthday? February 27th. Oh, my daughter's birthday is, is February 23rd. That's awesome. Very That's awesome. Pisces. So yeah. like we, my wife, my wife was also in the restaurant industry, which is how we met. And when. Also, you should just say a real quick side note that I think everybody once in their life should work uh, in a restaurant. Without a doubt, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. That. It, that there's, I, I'm working on an, uh, another project simultaneously and it, it's, there's something that, um, I, so I started doing the podcast, uh, I'm going to get all emotional, but I started doing the podcast because I thought that it would be fun to tell stories, uh, help people tell their story. And, and I'm talking like the people that might not normally get their story told, you know, like every, everyone exactly. knows about Bobby Flay. Everyone knows about, you know, uh, Michael, Volt you know, my, uh, Brian and Michael Voltaggio and, and all, and Chef Faulkner and all those, like people know, uh, Alex Cornicelli and stuff, but, but there's people like, like me and, and pretty soon people I'm sure are going to know you. Um, but people that are grinders that like, do it every day that are working at those gems of restaurants in your hometown that no one's ever going to know unless someone seeks them out and says, Hey, let, let me tell your story. Right. So yeah. I've, I've found that over the course of doing this, that what really gets me is the human connection that happens between two people having a conversation like the, just that there's, there's a magic that happens between two people having a conversation and sharing that maybe they're similar backgrounds or they're dissimilar backgrounds, but they, you know, like we both work, you work in a kitchen currently. I spent over half of my life working in kitchens and there's something of a common ground that happens. That's, that's just super, super special. It's kind of like sharing a meal with somebody, you know, you get to learn a lot about a person sharing that's a meal true. with them. That's true. So I'm, I'm working on this other project currently. And it's a it's going to be a documentary called American Food, and it's and it's about for for it's going to be changing kind of the mind of what people think of as American food because the people that make the food most of it, or that work in the back of the house that do the prep work that are doing the dishwashing and and all the all the the laborious jobs that aren't the glorified part that people see or think of as restaurants are, are immigrants are people that aren't from this country. And over the course of my career, I've worked with some, some just gems of people that I, that I really love that I'm still connected to that. Like, I, I think it's important to open the eyes of people that have never been in the back of a house of a restaurant or never worked in the restaurant industry to show them what it's really like. And it might change their tune on when they say, you know, I have people in my own circle that are like, oh, the, the, you know, immigration and, and people are taking jobs that, that could be occupied by, by people that are born here. And I'm like, no, no, they're, they're not, <laughs> they're not taking those 
jobs that people want. They're taking the jobs that no one wants. That's pretty accurate. I mean, I don't think I've ever worked with a real American dishwasher, to be really honest. No, with I've tried. I've I've tried to hire them, and usually, like, it lasts about twenty minutes, if that, or two hours, or they'll work a shift, and then the next day, you're like, okay, here's your schedule, and then the next day, you know, four o'clock comes around, and you're depending on that person, and they're like, they don't even call, and if they did call, they would be like, sorry, I just can't do it. Um, but but yeah, or they're like, it's for how yeah, much now? Exactly, hour? exactly. But um, so, gosh, I just lost my train of thought there. I was, I was like, get going on this. We went on this little trip that I wasn't expecting. But um, I love yeah, little trips. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. So let's get back on track. We're. How did you? Um, shit. How did you come to become the executive chef of Harley's? Well, I actually wasn't really looking for a job to be really honest with you. You know, I left working for Bobby Flay last August because I wanted to pursue television. So my big dream actually since I was 11 years old was to have my own TV show, like cooking show, like, you mm-hmm. know, Rachel Ray. So I left in August and I was doing like freelancing and private chef stuff and doing like pasta classes in Manhattan. And I was actually a um, a customer at one of their other restaurants across the street, and I kind of like slipped in uh, my resume. And you know, somebody told me they're like, I think you should, you know, take a chef job in Long Island because you know you cook differently than everybody else, and you do really well. And so I kind of think that whoever told me that was, you know, right. You know, I received three out of four stars by you know Newsday, and I've gotten a lot of press from it. And you know, something that you know the topic that always comes up you know, every time I'm in a newspaper article it always says female chef. And I'm always like, well, I don't know why they put my, you know, gender in front of your career. You know, I know there's a big thing now. People always say female chef, female chef. But, you know, I think that title of female chef has been set so high. I think that men wish they had that title, you know. So I know that's a very bold statement there. But I think, you know, in Long Island, there isn't um, as many female chefs as there are, I guess, in New York City and other areas of, you know, this country. You know, but I can name like so many female chefs who have very high awards and accolades, like Barbara Lynch and Elizabeth Faulkner. And, you know, if you're based out in California, I'm sure you know Nancy Silvington, who's definitely, you know, a rock star, you know, uh, you know, who's won James Beard Awards. You know, there's so many well-known, respected female chefs, you know, Dominique Prem, who, what is she, the three received the third Miss First ever. First ever, I think, in the U.S., right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So those are some pretty big name uh, female chefs, right? Yeah. There. And I mean, uh, Susan, Susan Finnegar and Mary Sue Milliken, they just, they just uh, received the yeah. Julia Child Award and they have a another like permanent installation at the, at the Smithsonian. Yeah. So I think there are some, but I'll take the title. Like if they want to write a newspaper article about me and write female chef, I'm like, I'll take it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's the old, there's the old saying that any press is good press, regardless of if there's a something in front of your name, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then I was actually, um, I've worked with Elizabeth Faulkner, you know, she's been on the food network and, you know, she's done a lot of great work with her restaurants and stuff like that. She is just a wonderful, fantastic, 
person. Um, I've actually met her for the first time. There's a Women Chef Conference. Last year was in um, the Twin Cities there. It was mm -hmm. in Minnesota. Uh, so I went to the Women Chefs Conference. Fun fact, 7% in the United States are chef-owned or um, female that are female executive chef or chef-owned restaurants. So that's a very small percent. But in that small percent, there's some pretty bad bitches in it, if no, you ask me. Um, I, I, you know, right. It, it's funny. I talk about, uh, yeah, I ta earlier I talked about my pride and my ego. And, uh, so I had never, so I, I think I had mentioned before we started, my sister was, my sister was the controller for Susan and Mary Sue for, mm -hmm. for a number of years. And, and like, I got, I got started, uh, I, I, I want to say she probably started around the same time that I got my first executive chef position and my sister had been in the restaurant industry on the financial side previous to with a company that was very prevalent in Southern California. And, and so I got, I got some good exposure to people, but um, I did, I did a few events with Susan and Mary Sue and then they had, they had uh, their executive chef, their corporate chef, um, for a long, long time, who ended up becoming business partners with with them, uh, Sasha Alger, or Al, I think it's Alger is her A L G E R. I always mispronounce her name. I've known it for years, but uh, I mean, like, like I would go and work with them, and then I'd be, I'd just think to myself, God, I don't know anything. You know, I mean, like, like not in a bad way, but I'd be like, but like, they're just, it, you know, certain people are just better. Like they're uh, men, women, it doesn't matter. Like every day there's going to be someone that's coming up that's like better than you or, or, you know, and, and, and like I used to, I used to get like all bent out of shape and, and like be like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to show that I'm weak. You know, like I just, I, I had all these weird mental blocks, but, but yeah, man, the, the fuck, like. I, I am just blown away by chefs. It doesn't matter what what your gender is. Like yeah. if you're a badass, you're a badass, and that's that's the bottom line. And and I just think that now, um, and probably a big part is because of social media and and how the world is becoming smaller with the you know with, because of the internet and everything and you know phones. Everyone's got a computer in their hand and and. Uh, the information is just so much more readily available. It's you're just seeing more and more women chefs coming up. Yeah. You know, I also think like there's something that's different about female chefs. And I've worked in restaurants where there are female chefs and male executive chefs. You know, I've worked in both. The first chef I've ever worked with uh, was when I worked at the Sagamore. It was my first kitchen job. And I worked with this lady. Her name was Annette. And Annette was like the most kindest soul you ever, ever met. And, um, you know, she taught me like everything I knew. And it was just like me and her, here we are doing lunch. And we'll do over 200 people for lunch, which is crazy. And she just taught me how to like prep and like everything. And she was so encouraging. Like she's still like, you know, I'll still talk to her uh, today. But I remember... Uh, I was supposed to do dinner. The executive chef of the resort comes in. He's like, Alice, you're going to work dinner tonight. And then he leaves. And this other sous chef was in our kitchen. I never forget his name. His name was Mateus. Mateus looks right at me and he goes, you can't work dinner shift. And then I've never seen Annette get mad. Annette turns around at this guy and goes, 
why can't she work the dinner shift? And they started like fighting. And I've never seen a neck get upset, but she was like, he doesn't want you to work tonight because you're not one of the boys. And she goes, you're going to work dinner service tonight. And I was just like, so I guess I'm going to work dinner service tonight. <laughs> and I worked at dinner service. I worked at dinner service. And I guess I did you know, a great job because I had two other chefs who worked at the restaurant upstairs, came down, they introduced uh, themselves to me and they're like hi I'm so-and-so and I'm like hi nice to meet you they're like I heard you did a really great job and this so happened Mateus was standing a few feet away and he heard that and I was like oh, I don't know how everybody knew this so it's kind of like okay you know I, I take challenges and I accept them if anybody ever wants to doubt me that's fine you know like you can't win every battle but I try my best no so, that's that's awesome you know that is awesome and I think that the biggest thing that I've noticed is you know, the best example is Nancy Silvington. Nancy becomes obsessed with something. Like when she wants to do pizza, Nancy like studies pizza and uses different flowers. And she's like, you know, last time I used this water at 95 degrees, let me try it at a hundred degrees. Like, you know, she becomes kind of like obsessed with something to try to make it the best. Like when Nancy opened La Brea Bakery in mm -hmm. California, I mean, it was just like, you know, people like, wow, you're bringing Nancy's bread to dinner. Like people flipped out over Nancy's bread. And I just respect Nancy and the fact where, you know, her, her bakery started getting so busy at, you know, they started bringing in machines. And of course, and Nancy goes, you know, I don't want to do this anymore because I can't actually hand make every single piece of bread that leaves this yeah. bakery. And then so decided to sell the bakery. And, you know, that's kind of like, you give Nancy props on that because a lot of the people will say, let it go. And Nancy's like, no, I, I literally want to make every piece of bread <laughs> leaving this bakery. But we all know that's, you know, sometimes it's impossible to do as chefs, like have your hand on everything. But, you know, I just love Nancy's another one that I, I've never met Nancy, but I look up to Nancy. I think she's so like fabulous. And for anybody who's listening, if you ever watch uh, the chef's table on Netflix, if you're never going to watch an episode, please make sure you watch Nancy Silverton's chef's table. You would love yeah, she She's, I mean, I, I think almost single-handedly she's credited with with starting what what people used to refer to as California cuisine. I mean, and Italian cuisine too. Like Nancy kills it at the Italian cuisine. Like she's like not even Italian. I think she always jokes around. It's like you know, here I am, this not Italian lady, and I love to make Italian food. But her food is very like no no rustic, very bold flavors. You know, just highlighting the ingredients. You know, with what Italian cuisine is yeah. all about. Yep. And, and, and just, I mean, like simple, done extremely well, like the execution on every dish is, is second to none. And that's, that's the mark of, that's the mark yeah. of a good chef when you can take fewer ingredients and, and then watch, I always got off on watching people like take that bite and then, and then watching their face light up when they, you know, when they ate it and they were like, yeah. ah, and that, that was like, that was like drugs. That was like drugs for me. Yeah, it's like instant gratification, yeah. you know? And I think also a person that I've loved and I met and I spoke with her a few times is Chef Elizabeth Faulkner. You know, I remember working this event with her and I'm like, here I am, you know, I have pretty good experience. I go, how am I supposed to work with Elizabeth Faulkner? And she was so like, arms wide open so sweet like she was just like I'm so excited to be working with you and I remember being like me you're excited to be working with me like 
you know, here I am just a fan of Elizabeth and she's just like so sweet and down to earth and you'll be like prepping alongside of her and she's we'll be like, what do you think about this? And I'm just like, I don't know what, like, we'll just start talking about like whatever she's thinking about. I'm just like, oh, you know, Elizabeth, you know, just as cool as you imagine. And she's just so inspiring and, you know, just, you know, the sweetest person to ever work with. I remember we were working this event that got a little crazy and she goes, I love how we've never worked together, but I just gave you one look and she's like, you knew exactly what to do. Like, I walked away from something you just popped in or I looked at something you handed it to me sometimes it's like you don't even need to communicate you know that's the key of communication we're just like gave each other like one look she gave me one look I knew exactly what yeah she wanted. yeah and that that usually takes years that that for me was something like I had I had a couple of guys and gals that worked with me for a number of years and that that was something that happened I mean if you can get that uh in a short amount of time that type of communication with someone it's like it's special there there's something very very special about that like where you don't have to that you don't you just have nonverbal communication where you look at someone or you're like give a a, a nod or a, a a heads up or something and and then they know exactly what to do or where to be and oh i got, i always love that i always love that um so yeah. we uh i just want to check in we're about uh i don't know 50 minutes in or so how are you how are you doing are you having fun oh right 50 minutes i mean this so this is pretty much like an episode of the view <laughs> <laughs> um so you had mentioned that it's been it's been your dream to to be on tv is that still something um that you're pursuing yeah so since i last working for bobby um what was that I, maybe what has it been? I don't think it's been two years, maybe like mm-hmm. over a year now. Um, so I did two shows for Food Network. One of them, people know I did beat Bobby Flay. No, I didn't win, but winning isn't everything. I also did another show, which I can't talk about just yet, but I'll post shortly what show it was. And then I also did two local shows. One is Restaurant Hunters and the other one is New This Day Feed Me with uh, Kelly Choi, who used to be the host of Top Chef oh, okay. Masters. So Technically, in like a year, I did four TV shows, so I'm I'm gonna say I'm pretty much slaying it, you know. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Are you? And then I did, did your podcast. I mean, killing it, chef yeah. work. Well, you know, got Rachel's number. I mean, this is my year. I'm I think it's you. my year too, and and we're gonna go from four listeners to five after this. So I, I think it'll be. <laughs> You know who's definitely going to listen? I'm going to tell you right now. So actually, somebody I used to work with at the restaurant, we became really good friends. We go out to dinner every Monday. It's like, we call it like a, our hot date, my friend Rachel. So tomorrow we're actually going to go out to eat. We're like, let's go out for uh, escargot tomorrow and some slaw. That sounds great. So she'll listen. So we'll give Rachel a shout out because she'll be like, oh, your podcast Perfect. is great. That's what be her. She's like, she's like my number one fan. She's like one of the most annoyingest people I've ever met. But for some reason, and we talk oh that's day. awesome She's that's my awesome friend. the uh i oh, i yeah. <laughs> um yeah i it's amazing just i'm, I'm doing this because i i like to tell stories and i like to share stories and i like to tell people's stories and and i'm i'm just having a freaking blast so whatever whatever i i i i i paint i draw i play music um i write I, anything that's creative, I'm, I try to get into, and, and I, uh, and when I'm because I'm not working in a kitchen full time, I, I needed more more creative outlets. So, whoever, 
And also, you don't work in the kitchen anymore. You have a lot of time well, on your hands. Yeah, I do. I spend I spend a lot of it. Yeah. Like this this morning, I this morning and yesterday morning, I made breakfast for my kids, and like we played hide and seek yesterday, and and I I played uh, Battleship with my son this morning just before you and I got started. So it it's it's uh, and then I just um, I've been reading I've been reading this book. Um, called can't hurt me by a guy named david goggins and, and his theory is that we that we only do about 40 percent of what we're capable of uh in life so that, those i feel like that's pretty accurate oh do you want to come and say hi i just got my my you want, hi we got this is a third yes, member of the do you podcast. want to say hi to allison no. you can just say right there honey no now you're gonna be shy hi. she's saying hi to you She's going to tell her she story. Will later. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it's, it's, it's funny. I mean, just, and um, it's funny that, uh, yeah, I still look for, I, I still, I still get enough of talking to chefs through. So I work for a, a meat company in Salt Lake city and I'm in sales. And so I get to work with, I get to work with. Okay. Thank you. Um, I get to work with chefs and, and do all kinds of, of, you know, talking about food and, and, uh, but it was one of those things where I was like, let me see what else I can do. You know, I'm not doing, I'm not doing enough. So let me see what else I can do. And, and I found, I found this and, and like, I, so I started recording on, on my phone and cause I, I could always, if I wanted to make it perfect, I could give myself 800 excuses as to why I couldn't do something instead of like just going for it and being like, I'll figure the rest of this shit out later. Um, which is kind of what I did when I was working in kitchens. I was like, okay, I've got an opportunity in front of me. Let me, uh, I, I took that kind of, um, carpenter's approach. Like, like there's something I read in, in uh, kitchen confidential a long time ago and, and, it was uh, the line where Anthony Bourdain said about that he never wanted to hire an artist because he he because artists didn't always show up for work, but he always wanted to hire a craftsman because craftsmen, That's you know, were would always try to perfect their perfect what they're they were doing. And and I kind of I always talked when I like hired or talked to other people, I'd be like, well, you know, I had two guys that showed me how to make a chair. And then I just kept making a chair over and over and over. And then they gave me another tool to use to make the chair fancier and then another tool to use. And, and then eventually like I had a really nice chair and, and people would look at me and like, are you, are you fucking insane? And, and I would say, well, I'm not insane, but that's just the approach I take that like resonates with me is like, you know, the ingredients change, like the methods don't, or the techniques don't necessarily change. Like when you go from, from Mexican to French to Italian to to whatever. I mean, like yeah, yeah. And then also, I think that's a great book, especially like if you're just starting out your career. Kitchen Confidential is a great book yeah. to read. I think it's one of those classic books, and if you read it, you get it. And if you haven't read it, I feel like it's one of those books like you definitely should pick up and read. You know, even like people say, I'm not a big reader. I feel like that's the book. Like if you're into food or you're in the restaurants, like that's the book to read. Like you can't, you won't be yeah. able to put it down. Yeah. I've, I've read it several times over the years and that, that, that passage just seems to, seems to like hit home for me every single time. 
and then there's also the other part where he talks about his his uh kind of first culinary experiences and his guy that he worked for named that was nicknamed Sinbad, which I always I find that that particular part extremely extremely humorous. Um, so what are the what are the plans for you in the next few years? I mean, do you do you see yourself staying at Harley's for a while or what the? I mean, I think I never am one of those people who like make a plan. You know, also know in restaurant businesses, like when you work in a restaurant, if you're a chef, you know, like you get offered other jobs or there's so many opportunities or when you could do a job with your eyes closed, I always think it's time to go. Like you always need to put yourself and do more. Um, you know, definitely I'm always for pursuing television. So that's something that I continue to chase. And then I had a lot of people say, you should open up your own restaurant. So, you know, we'll see what happens, you know? So I always like to do one day at a time. And, you know, I kind of like to do what's best, you know, for me, you know? And. So basically you're talking to the next rate to rate. Awesome. That's, you know, long awesome. I, I love that. I love that. Um, I think I think you're probably talking to the next Anthony Bourdain on the other end over here. So, <laughs> you know, you know, you got it. You know, I also think in the the cooking career, like if your career, if you're a chef or a cook, I think you should always have big goals. Like whether you want to own your own restaurant and win a James Beard Award or you know, be on TV. I think there's a reason why you know we all have this fire in our bellies to become a chef. Um, and we always have that light at the end of the tunnel, that main goal that we want to do and chase. And, you know, mine, of course, is to be on TV. And I always just keep my, you know, eyes on the prize. And I've done uh, pretty good for somebody who's only 28. You know, I've accomplished a lot. And, you know, I think the rest is, you know, I think there's so many other possibilities for me to do. It's so hard to say right now, where do I see myself in like a few years? Because, you know, you never know what tomorrow That's is going to bring. That's true. What, uh, so in the last few moments that we have, what's your, uh, what's your, I, I know that you really love a simple pasta dish, uh, like a, like a kekko or a pomodoro, but what's your favorite, uh, what's your favorite pasta dish to cook? I actually love pomodoro fresco is my favorite. Simple basil. I like it spicy. That's my favorite thing to eat and make is the pomodoro nice. fresco. And then I noticed on one of your Instagram posts, you because you had said that you love making pizzas, that your that your love is pizza shaped. Tell me about that. My love is pizza shaped. You know, it's a heart or a circle for enough to go around. <laughs> um, you know, I love <laughs> you know, I love tossing the pizza, like you said. I feel like tossing the pizza up in the air like people like oh you know may not see like some people think it's so cool or whatever but also like if you never had that experience of learning how to toss a pizza you're like I'll never get it now you could list flip the pizza endlessly you know so I think it's like my own personal pride like yeah I have achieved this like I could nice. pie so now every time I have a pizza in my hand I'm like you know let me flip it because you know it takes a long time to learn how to one make pizza and two you know, tossing a pie is a whole completely That's different true. game. That's you true. Know? <laughs> well, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we uh, before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I'm just excited to, you know, tomorrow's my day off. I go to work at four o'clock. I don't know what time. Here it's like a half an hour to yeah. four in New York. But I'm excited to eat. 
tomorrow. Monday's my big day. I like to go out to dinner and eat. So I'm excited to eat some foie and escargot with my friend. Nice. Rachel, so. nice. Well, hopefully I can get this, I can get this uh, all edited and mixed and then, uh, and have it out for you tomorrow. And I will send you a link when it's, when it's all done and ready. Oh, thanks. It was a pleasure talking to you. Now we're yeah, your friends no, I'm, now. I'm super stoked. And uh, I will, um, I will, uh, I will definitely want to have you back on because there, there's probably about two and a half hours more of a conversation that we could have because we barely scratched the surface. Of course, it's my pleasure. You know, we don't want to let it all out in the first take. You know, we want people to listen well, again. I, <laughs> it's like the Potter series. You know, like we read the first book. Well, I personally didn't, but you know, there's like seven more books to go along with it before you figure yeah, the whole thing out. Well, and then and then me being the type of person that I am, I'm I'm like, okay, is she gonna like me? Is she gonna like me? Are we gonna have anything to talk about? Lo and behold. Oh, I'm very easy to you know. I'm like a chatty Cathy. I have a lot to say, actually. People always think I don't, but I really have a lot to say. I'm very over-analytical, too. I like to overthink stuff, and, you know, so I always have a lot of things to say, especially when you talk about things that people love. Like, if you talk about something that someone's passionate about, like food and cooking and Celine Dion, I have a lot of things to say. <laughs> well, we'll talk about Celine Dion and, uh, next time, next time around, and and I remember reading, uh, you went to see her show, right, in, in Vegas a while back? I, and then I cried. And then I cried. Yeah. Yes, that happened. Yeah. It happens. It happens to the best of us, you know, our emotions. No, I'm, music, music has brought me to tears and to joy and to laughter and all kinds of different things for, uh, for years. Sometimes, sometimes when I'm playing a song, so, so like some, I, I will play and sing and like, play for my kids and sometimes when I'm like just playing a song for my kids I'll start I'll start getting all choked up I'm I'm a I'm a pretty emotional dude I mean it and happens, not, a, not afraid know? of it that's the that's the creative no of course not we, we like to embrace who we are I'm yeah. all for it yeah well I will let you go thank you for spending so much time with me um oh my god thank you so no, much it's, it's absolutely my pleasure I'm glad that I can say that I have a new friend and uh we will talk to you soon. Have a great day at work. Thank you so much, buddy. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Hey, what up, everyone? It's Matt here, and I just want to thank everyone for listening. I hope that you thoroughly enjoyed today's episode. I had a had a really really good time uh, recording with Allison. She was a blast to talk to, and and uh, we had some good laughs. And hopefully. Uh, you guys will enjoy it as much as I did. I wanted to just thank you all for listening and let you know that we're available on so many different platforms. Um, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Play, just about every um, major podcast platform that you can think of we're available on. And so if you find us anywhere Go and listen to us. If you like what we're doing, share with your friends and uh, you can subscribe to the podcast. And if you even really like it more than that, you can you can uh, you can donate to the cause. And I also wanted to tell you about FriarPod.com. I, I have a blog. I have a vlog. I'm working on a documentary project. And I also have all the podcast episodes available on the website. FriarPod.com. F-R-Y-E-R-P-O-D.com. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Peace.